it's summit week, so in my spirit, I definitely have an excitement. It's kind of like that nervous, kind of like, what's God going to do? And I'm expecting, there's a, there's a buzz in my spirit every summit week, because it's just like, what, what's going to happen? I know something's going to happen, I just don't know what is going to happen. I know that God wants to move at summit, and I can't wait to see him move, but in the end, what is he going to do? How's he going to do it? And all of those things, it, it just kind of leaves you wondering so uh, my prayer for summer, to be honest, is that when you leave, right, that, that you look at whoever you came with and you just go, isn't God marvellous? We've named the uh, summit marvellous because that's what I want. I, I don't want you to be wowed by the music, though the music's going to be great. I don't want you to be wowed by the speakers, though I know the speakers are going to be excellent. I don't want you to be wowed by the food or the fellowship. I want you to be wowed by God. I want you to have this sense that God is awesome. You know, we use the word awesome a lot, but God is the one whom to which we should direct our awe. Right? A football team, no matter how great you love that team, no matter what happened there, no, that's good, but it's not something to be in awe of. God is the one for us to be in awe of. I want our music to be excellent, and it's going to be fantastic. There'll be fresh songs. There'll be fresh heart of worship in this place. Worshipping with just a full building is just going to be a, a fantastic thing. But in the end, if it doesn't point you to God, if all you've had is just a nice experience, if you just enjoyed yourself, we haven't actually achieved the goal of what we want to see in the sense of you going, God. I saw something new about God. There's a, oh, God is, is here. Because God is the one who infuses a spirit. It's, it's, it's not great teaching and wise things and, and nice things. No, it's God. It's God who does something in our spirit. And, and, I, and I want us to be in awe of God and to go, God is marvelous. It is marvelous indeed what God has done. And in the climate of fear that we have, confusion, and that Jacinta just spoke so well about of uncertainty, to have a concentrated moment in the presence of God, where God can actually take time to do something in our spirit, that's going to be marvellous. That's going to be incredible. So please come expectant. Everyone say the word expectant. Everyone say the word expectant. Expectant. I want you to come expectant. And that leads me to my preaching this morning. So what is our theme for 2021? Live. Very good, right? I didn't even have to ask you to say it again. So this morning, I want to speak to you about live expecting. Live with an expectancy of heart. And so this morning, I want to set up a little bit of expectation around something about what God's doing here at Emerge Church. I, I, I want expectation to be the thing that you leave with. That's my goal in my preaching. So let's just pray and ask God. Holy Spirit, you want to speak to your people. So I pray that you would take what I say and let people hear what you have to say, oh Lord. Speak to each person where they're at about what they're doing, oh God, so they have that sense that you are for them, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, well said. 
All right? Expectation is important because it sets things up. Right? When you're expecting something, there's an excitement in your spirit compared to when something's just ho-hum. You know, I remember the very first time that Bishop T.D. Jakes came to Paradise Church, the church where I was a pastor, and he came to Australia for the first time. It was, it was massive. It was in the middle 2000s, and uh, he'd never been to Australia. Now, T.D. Jakes, many people would believe, would be the greatest preacher around, right? He's just a, an amazing man of God, amazing church, and he's just so multifaceted in all the different things that he does. He's actually in America labeled. He's got a label on his life. He's called a national religious icon. Right? That means that the secret service of America has to know where he is at any time. Because if there is unrest, because he's one of the leaders of the African-American uh, people, they just need to know where he is so he can come and speak into situations should there be. So to even come to Australia, he has to have secret service uh, tick off, right? That he's allowed. He's so kind of big in America that he has a 20-minute rule in that he cannot be anywhere longer than in, in one place for 20 minutes without a crowd coming. Right? That's where you've got influence, where, where, you, where you can do that. And so we'd been asked, we'd gone to his... Uh, Pastors and Leaders Seminar, and we've been promised, that, uh, myself and Pastor Ashley, that we would have a meeting with his kind of exec pastor, and that's where we would invite him to Australia. Now, you've got to remember, this guy is getting tens of thousands of invites to speak all around the world every year. So he doesn't need somewhere to speak, right? And, uh, and he doesn't really want to fly all the way to Australia, which is a big flight to the Americans, right? So... Uh, we're sitting there and we get a chance and we don't, we don't even get to meet with him. We just get to meet with his, uh, his exec pastor. And uh, he, we, he just say, he goes, oh, that's good. I'll, I'll talk to Bishop Jakes and blah, 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 blah. We just thought, oh, I don't know how that went. The next day we were in our hotel room because our battery in our car had, had, uh, had discharged. We probably left the lights on and uh, I don't know what we did. But uh, we get a phone call and uh, it was uh, um, Deacon Gray and... And he goes, oh, Bishop would like to have lunch with you today. Are you here? And we go, no, we're still at our hotel, right? And so what they did is they uh, got, a, got a car, someone picked us up, and they took us to a restaurant, which Bishop Jakes had booked out the whole restaurant because, once again, just the fact of being such a public figure, he has to do that. And uh, so we met, and we had this lunch with him, and it was wonderful, and it was excellent. And we had this lunch, there was all these... African-American black bishops. We were the only white people in that whole place. I, I, I know how you must feel sometimes, uh, <laughs> Comfort and D, or in different places, Sturge, like when you're just kind of like, all of a sudden, you know, we felt like that, but opposite, right? But it was, just, it was just wonderful, and there was, you know, different bishops from all over America who had that lunch, and, and I'm just sitting there going, I can't believe I'm here, right? There's just all these named people that running churches of tens of thousands of people. And, 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 and I'm just sitting there going, if I shut up, they'll forget that I'm here, right? And they'll just keep on talking. And, I, and it was excellent. And at the end of that meeting, Bishop Jakes came to Pastor Ashley 
and he put Pastor Ashley's, which are normal size hands, into his huge size hands. He's got the biggest hands of any human I've ever seen, right? And he put his hands and he goes, he goes, I really want to come to Australia. Now you've got to pray that the Holy Spirit releases us. And I'm going, oh, yeah, we can do that. And it wasn't long after that he said he'd come. And so he came. And so we, we got the church. Yeah, there was an expectation. And I want to tell you, like, literally every person of note in the Christian world on kind of this side, from basically Singapore down, came to Adelaide that week for that conference. It was the first time Bishop Jakes had kind of like been in the Southern Hemisphere. And there was this expectation Something's going to happen. The whole executive of the uh, National AOG in uh, New Zealand and in uh, Malaysia and in Australia were all there. All these named pastors, everyone was there. And, and he's coming to Australia and he's coming to Adelaide, right? He's not coming to like Sydney or Brisbane, like a real city. He's coming to, to Adelaide, right? <laughs> and back then, when you got off the plane in Adelaide, you got off on the tarmac. Right? It wasn't a proper thing. It was like, he must have got off and thought, where the heck have I come? I've flown so long to be here. Right? So, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, because I get to meet him, because Pastor Ashley's actually shy. Right? He doesn't like to, you know, so he, 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 he didn't want to meet him at that point. And, and so I was the guy who'd always meet the speakers. Great job, actually, by the way. Right? So I make up this speech that I'm going to say. Bishop Jakes, on behalf of Pastor Ashley and Jane Evans, I'd like to invite And I did exactly what I just did then. I just messed it up. He gets up, right? And then we're waiting. I'm thinking he's going to get his bags, but he's got someone who gets his bags. And so he goes, we can go now, all right? And then we just talked, and it was fantastic. That night, when he came out, like the... The, the, there was an electricness in the atmosphere of that meeting. It was, it was packed to the rafters. You know, it's a building that can fit, you know, when you push everyone in close to 4,000 people, and there's just 4,000 people. It's, it's just wonderful. And he walks into the room. He walks into that meeting, and it was just, you could, you could just feel something. It was, it was amazing. I haven't been in an atmosphere like that. And he walks in, he's got a bodyguard. Right? He's got an attendant, he's got a piano player, right? and then he comes in. Right? He, his bodyguard stands at the front of the church, like all this. We're probably thinking he's got you know, kind of reason to have a gun on him. They probably let him in, but we didn't pat him down. Right? But uh, his attendant, he just you know, gives him water and you know, like, kind of gets his Bible out there and puts it there. And if he sweats too much, he wipes his head and... And, and his piano player just plays at the right time and he knows when to go up and he knows when to go down. And, and it's, it's just like all kind of like, wow, something's going to happen. He just sets it up. The man of God is here. There's something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And, and, and we were thinking, oh, just, uh, it was amazing. And let me tell you, it was. It didn't disappoint. When you've got an atmosphere like that, and then you get someone who can expound the word of God like he can, then let me tell you, boom, something did happen, and those meetings were amazing. But then I noticed something, because I was privileged to be able to host him. So I was the one who went out to dinner with him. I was the one who go pick him up. I was the one, he, he went and did a, uh, a, a show back to America 
from a, an animal wildlife park. And it was like even the animals knew that he was someone because they would actually come up to him, right? He didn't have to do anything. It was like weird, right? But it was just, it was just great. So I was the one who spent a, a lot of time with him. Can I, I'll give you one secret boast, all right? You're not allowed to tell anyone because this is pure foolish boasting. But I walked into a room one time and Brian Houston was there and Phil Pringle was there talking to Bishop T.D. Jakes and he excused himself from them and came and said hello to me. <laughs> That's pretty decent, right? That's a decent boast. <laughs> It's all gone downhill from there. No, but uh, no, no, but like that's a that's a decent boast, right? So, so, so it was just this expectation. But I, but I, I, I noticed something that when he was away from the pulpit, when he's just having dinner, when he's just in the back room, his attendants weren't doing anything. They're just having a drink as well. They're just having a coffee. They're just talking amongst themselves with other people. No one was getting him a drink. No one was getting him a Bible. No one was wiping his head for his sweat. No one's playing the piano just as he's speaking, right? Like, they weren't doing any of that because he wanted to create an atmosphere. He wanted to create an atmosphere of faith. He wanted to create an, expect an expectancy that something was about to happen, and he did it fantastically. He set up this sense, God is going to move. I'm ready, I'm listening, I'm leaning in to hear what God is going to do. Now, before you get all cynical and kind of go, well, that's just manipulation, I want to tell you, it's really how God works and how God makes us. It's not hype, it's expectation. It gets you ready. And I want to show you some things in the Bible where we see this happening. You know, before Jesus was publicly revealed to the people of Israel at his baptism, God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way. So much so that it was prophesied in Isaiah that John the Baptist was going to come. And so in Luke 3.16, we see this. John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And by the way, that's what I'm believing for this weekend or this summer, that there's going to be a rebaptism, so to speak, of fire and the Holy Spirit. Something's going to happen in the spiritual realm, and there's going to be this rebaptizing because that's what Jesus came to do. See, God was setting up an expectation in the people's heart that someone greater than John the Baptist, you love John the Baptist? Well, you wait to see what's coming. You wait to see what's coming. And five Verses later, in 321, we see it revealed. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. See, that's what happened. He set it up. Someone's coming. He came to prepare the way. That's what John the Baptist did. He came to prepare the way, set an expectation. And so when Jesus finally came, when Jesus was finally revealed, people received it because they were prepared and they had an expectation that it was going to happen. Jesus also used to set up expectation. 
Look at Luke 10, verse 1. After these things, where Jesus had been teaching, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So when Jesus sent out the 70, it wasn't just some random thing. It wasn't just go where you feel like it. He knew he was going to go into those towns and that's where he sent those who go before him. So there's already miracles, there's already deliverances, there's already the work of God being preached and spoken to so that when Jesus came to those towns, there's a leaning in. There's a, an expectancy that there's going to be leading in. Knowing he's about to go on a preaching tour, 70 people go out and set up expectation. It wasn't random, and when he got to a place, it wasn't some random teacher. No, this is Jesus who they knew about, who they knew was coming. And that's why the crowds are always there. Have you ever wondered why they were always there? Why the crowds there? It's not like they had the internet. Oh, he's going to be in this town. He hasn't got a phone. They haven't got anything. But they knew because the 70 had gone before them. See, expectation and perception aren't worldly attitudes or aren't some manipulation to hype up the crowd. It's how we open the door to faith. Expectation and perception are the gateway or the doorway to faith. They're how our creator, God, created us. It's how we work. And I want to say, even Jesus himself, was subject to it. Expectation and perception were important. Jesus himself could not perform miracles where people had no expectation or their perception was wrong. Let's read Matthew 13, verse 54. When he came into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. So they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Not the, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brother James and Joseph, Simon and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. There's no expectation. There's no perception. They had an unbelief. They reasoned away why God wouldn't move. They made up their narrative and they came up with a rationale that said, ah, oh, that's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. There's no expectation. And just as the people were, Jesus did do many people rationale that God was going to do something and so receive something. The people where Jesus couldn't do miracles rationaled that God couldn't do something. And so what is your rationale? What thought and perception do you have about God moving? Are you going to believe that God's going to do something or are you going to sit back in a sense of apathy and just go, come on, God, prove it? Prove it. Which is going to see and move the heart of God? The guy with this or the guy like this? What's going to come in? 
Jesus set up an expectation. Jesus set up an anticipation before he went to places. So expectation can be defined then really as belief and apathy as unbelief. Wherever there's expectation, there is a leaning in. There's a posture of I'm ready. Come on. Come on. I'm ready. I'm ready for something to happen. That's what happened when Jesus came into a town after the 70 people had, or 70 had already been there. They're leaning in. In Jesus' hometown, they rationalized they're not leaning in. There was no expectation. They sat back, waiting to be wowed. Waiting to be wowed is not a posture of faith, but leaning in. I'm going to draw near. And what happens? He draws near to us. I'm going to worship. And he builds a habitation. It was those who cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm blind. And Bon Bonimaeus gets a miracle. It was a woman who pushed through a crowd and touched the hem of his garment that got a miracle. Because an expectation, if I just touch his hem, if I just lean in and touch his hem, there were a dozen reasons why that was foolish, why she shouldn't do that. But she just had this, oh, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to touch his garment. The Syrophoenician woman, she was sitting there saying, you can come and cast out that devil out of my daughter. And he's like, oh, I haven't got time for that. And, and people are trying to stop her. But she came back again. And she came back again. And eventually she sees her daughter touch. There's a leaning in, an expectation that God can do something. And I want to say to you, don't let a lack of expectation keep you from summer. Don't reason yourself out of an encounter with God. It's just too many meetings. It's not going to be any different to the last time. Why should I have to pay to come to church? I don't really like those speakers. I like the speakers before that. I've seen it all before. I'm too busy. I don't really want to go. Who knows? Like, it's an atmosphere. There's a, it's a, there's a posture of like, oh, it's just too hard. But God is saying, no, lean in. Have an expectation that I'm going to do something. An expectant approach has you waiting, wondering, observing, contemplating. That's how I feel about the summer. And maybe it's because I'm praying about it all the time, thinking about it. I have this expectation. It's like, bring on Thursday night. Bring on Thursday night. Some of the people doing all the jobs around, like, let it just come on away. But... You know, we were recently given, it was last year, we were given a $200 voucher to the Blackbird Steak and Grill, which is in, uh, on Eagle Street. And we did it on Friday night. We used it on Friday night. Now, that's a big voucher for people who don't drink, right? So I don't, we don't have wine. So a glass of, it was eight bucks, by the way, for just a bottle of sparkling water, which is expensive. Right? It's all right. But... Uh, it was a $200 voucher. So I was expecting, we'd actually tried booking different times, but it's a, a popular restaurant, and so we weren't able to, to get in, and we finally got in on Friday night. And I was expecting, we got lots of money, 200 bucks, just to eat. Right, when there's lots of food. It's a good steak restaurant. The company is awesome, because I was going with Nina. Right? And I looked forward to it all week. I looked forward to it all week. All week I was thinking, oh, Friday night. It's going to be excellent. Oh, I'm going to go out with Nina. We're just going to have a nice day. I'm going to get a $70 steak. 
right? And that's what they wear. There's one steak for 135 bucks. I'm going, no, come on there, right? But uh, right, like, so, I don't know what you just like. You'd eat it like, like you get one of the slices just so you can get the most value out of it, right? But uh, it's just 135 bucks for a steak. But I got a 70 dollar steak. How good is that? Right? I would never do that in a thousand years, right? Like $20 Palmer, thanks. Right? That's what I'm used to, right? But, uh, right? So, but I had this voucher and I was looking forward to getting a $70 steak because I could, because I had a $200 voucher. I was leaning in all week, I was expectant. My, my, I started to think, I looked up the website to find out the menu, right? To look at, oh, I'm going to, that's how expectant I was. Right, it was fantastic. I, I planned where I was going to park, right? I, I worked out everything because I was expectant for a $70 steak. And let me tell you, it was awesome, right? And I, I, I cut it in real little bits so I could just like, but it was about this thick. It was not ridiculous. Oh, it, was, it didn't disappoint. You know, I want you to lean in this summer. I want you to come with expectation. I want you to expect that God is going to do something. Have you noticed that a woman who is pregnant is said to be expecting? She's expecting. That means she's getting ready to have a baby. And I want to tell you, no pregnant woman just sits back, right? They'd like to, but they can't, right? Because first of all, they're not comfortable enough, right? But they're always doing something. They've got to make up the new room. They've got to get some baby clothes. They're going to start to work out. Are we going to work? Are we going to think? When am I going to do this? All planning comes. The one thing that an expectant mum isn't doing is nothing. Right? They're always doing something. They're always doing something. She's not just waiting around. She's expecting and her expectation gets her to do something. I want you to be pregnant when you come to summer. Kevin just jumped in his chair. Right, like I want you to be pregnant when you come to summer. I want you to have this expectation that God is going to do something that, and that you're doing it by praying, doing it by reading your word. Set yourself up to be in an atmosphere of faith. That's what our prayer meetings are. As I in each of the prayer meetings that we've been having on a Tuesday morning and on a Thursday night, I've just been believing. God's going to do this. And then I get this picture of that. Last Tuesday morning, Nina spoke of this, like just before COVID happened, how she saw a dark cloud come over the church. And this is before COVID happened. And, and that she saw that it was a thing called apathy. And then she said, all of a sudden, she said, she got this light comes through and just creates something. Light just breaks through and that darkness is gone. And, and when she's telling this, I, I forgot that she'd had that vision a long time ago. And then when she's telling me, and then she's talking about it in the prayer meeting, this face just started to, and I started to pray, and I started to see it. And I started to see God touching this person and touching that person. And I, and I just have this sense that God is going to do something. That's what our rehearsals are. You know, Jason and the team don't just turn up on Thursday night and just kind of, oh, we should get it right. You know, they know how to play guitar. They can hit a drum, right? Like, no, they, they've practiced and, and they've rehearsed so that they're ready so they can just play. So who's ever leading just has to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. 
doesn't have to worry about the music thing and, and that thing because they've got it together. They've practiced. They've rehearsed. I just have to hear what the Spirit of God's saying because I know I can go to the start of that song or the middle of that song. I know I can repeat the chorus. I know all the mechanics of the worship now because I've practiced. So now I just have to hear what God's saying. And I can lead the congregation down the road that God wants to take that meeting. It's getting us ready for what God is about to do. See, we're giving God a concentrated moment. And whenever you give God anything, he'll always move into it. And one of the other reasons I know is kind of that God is going to move. It's kind of weird because I just know all the opposition. That has happened, even in our staff. You know, we have Yovana this week having to have a, uh, a, a pretty much an emergency operation because of some different things that were going on. She's well now, and she's doing well. That's a, that's a bad thing. One of our staff members had his house broken into, right? And uh, his son's car stolen, right? Like, that's fantastic. Another one of our key leaders, right, uh, they had their car just in front of their house. Someone just went and smashed their bonnet in. Right? Another person whose leader was whose boss had given them a time off, all of a sudden just changed their mind. Now you can't have the time off. Right? Jason was sick this week. Right? There's just different things that are going on within our stuff because the enemy contends. Right? If, if, if nothing's going to happen, the enemy just goes, just have your little meeting. That's cool. I don't care. Right? But when you know, he knows that something's about to happen, when there's going to be a change in the atmosphere, when there's going to be a setting of direction, when there's going to be a catalyst of a, of a move of God, he just goes, I'm going to come against it. I'm going to come against some of the things. Even Nina and I have had some, some tension, which is very unusual for us, but we sort it out. Have a date night. It's worth. <laughs> Tell them what you think, because they need to hear. I heard. I heard. All right. You know, I believe that God said when I was at our very first prayer meeting that this summer is going to be the beginning of a new chapter for Immersed Church of fruitfulness and effectiveness. One of our core values of the church is that we be a church of encounter. I don't, I don't want a chance meeting. You know, when you just meet someone at Chermside, you're going there and saying, hey, how you going? I don't want to have a meeting like that with God. I want to have a deliberate meeting. I want to have an appointment with God. And that's what our summit is, an appointment. I know that that's where I'm going. I'm going to go and see God. I'm going to meet with Jesus. That's my expectation. It's, I don't want there to be an accidental brush up. I want us to deliberately encounter God. And it is a deliberate setup, right? You, you think about it. We had speakers who were great speakers, Matt Hines, Mark Verges, Ken Lee, all fantastic ministers of God. And hopefully we will be getting them over the next little while. But God knew they weren't coming. And so we got David Hall. And David Hall would probably be the most in-demand speaker in Australia today. Right? He's literally the most in-demand speaker. He's Tim Hall's son. He's got a great church in Adelaide. Who remembers Pastor Jonathan Benight and JB? JB's coming with him because JB works for him now back in Adelaide. So JB's going to be here. But I want to say, I've known David since he literally was three or four years old, right? I've known him all of his life, right? And, and he is crazy. In our youth group, there were two Dave Halls, 
right? One was David Hall, who used to be the youth pastor here. Some of you remember him. We used to call him Dave Cool Hall, right? Dave Hall, who's going to come and speak, we used to call him Dave Hallelujah Hall, right? Because he was always doing things around the Holy Spirit. He always had a hunger to see the Spirit of God move. He's also one of the funniest guys that you'll ever see. He will, like one moment you'll be crying like, oh, that's hilarious. And the next minute, the Holy Ghost, you go, boom. And you go, oh, Holy Spirit. And that's what the meeting's going to be like. We're going to believe that God is going to do a great move. We've got Shane Willard, who really is, you know, just probably one of the most favorite speakers that we have at church. And we've got Jenny Gilpin, who was so well received at our women's conference. Right? Who remembers her from our women's conference? Gave so many people words and had a real prophetic, prophetic edge. You know, I was disappointed when I found out that the other speakers couldn't happen and couldn't come. But once I found out who we got, I'm just going, God, you know. You know, and I thank you, Lord, that you have set us up. You know, I'm also going to be speaking. Maybe the band could come. I'm also going to be speaking, and I believe that God has given me a specific word, that God has given me a, a word around it is marvelous, and I'm going to title my message, Live Marvelous, right? And, and, and I just feel that God is going to do something. It's going to be from Psalm 118, and there's something kind of gurgling, burbling. Is that a word? Gurgling is the word. Burbling isn't a word, right? So, but there's something stirring in my spirit to set people free, that God wants to do something, that there's been things on people's lives on too long, and we're going to see something break off. And it's the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Right? And that's what I'm going to believe, that different yokes are going to be broken, that people would, would live free. It's, a, it's the reason that I've written that book. And so if you come, every registration gets one of those books. And it's just to help people be set free, to live free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Church, I know that our best days are ahead. I know that God has a plan for our summit. I know that a birth church is about to come into a new chapter, a chapter of fruitfulness and effectiveness, and that this summit is going to be a catalyst. So this morning, I want to finish with prayer. I want to finish just having five minutes or so and turn this meeting into a prayer meeting. The, Jesus said this, he goes, if an earthly father wouldn't give a stone to his son who asked for a fish, how much more will my heavenly father give to those who cry out for the Holy Spirit? See, a cry out for the Holy Spirit is an expectation. It's an expectation that God is going to move. I don't cry out to the wall. Oh, wall, please help me. Oh, wall, please heal me. Oh, wall. I don't do that because it's foolish. It's a wall. Can't help me. I don't expect that the wall's going to do anything for me. But when I pray, when I cry out to God, I'm saying, God, I have this expectation that you're going to move. I have this expectation that you can move. I have this expectation that, that you can do a great thing. I have an expectation that, that you are going to be for me and with me and upon me and in me.
There's an expectation that comes in my spirit. 